Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow with OCPHA Podcast, and today we're going to be speaking with our special guest, uh, Dr. Sam Lee, on what his role is in pharmacy and specialty pharmacy, actually. So before we get started into that, how you been doing, Sam? Oh, I've been doing great. Surviving. Thank you for asking, Tony. Yeah, of course. And uh, I guess for listeners who don't know, me and uh, Sam actually both went to school together the same year. So we're both uh, graduates of 2012. So uh, And it's been a while since I actually talked to you, so good to catch up again, actually. Yeah, definitely. Nice talking to you, too, Tony. It's been a while. Congrats on all your family and everything. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, and, you know, just for the listeners to kind of get a little bit of like a brief overview about yourself, can you tell them a little bit more about like, I guess... Just, you know, pharmacy school and how'd you get into like where you are now? Yeah. So I went to uh, undergrad at Berkeley uh, where I did pre-pharmacy there. Um, I actually was planning to go into business and try to do business undergrad, but at Berkeley is pretty competitive and I didn't quite make it. So then I decided from there to do pre-pharmacy. Uh, and then after that, I went to school at USC. And after USC, I did do a residency, a community pharmacy residency. Uh, the USC Ralph's Community Pharmacy Residency at USC, and that that really helped me grow more professionally as a leader. And then from there, I kind of learned a little bit about ownership, independent pharmacy ownership from my parents who have some independent retail pharmacies in LA, three. Uh, and then from there, after learning and being mentored, I went on on my own to purchase my own pharmacy in Laguna Hills. Awesome. So you know like about the community pharmacy residency. So to me, like, it's still something I'm not really, I don't really understand as much as, you know, other types of uh, residency programs. Can you kind of describe a little bit more about, like, what it is that the community pharmacy residency kind of, like, focused on and what you learned from it? Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I was interested initially only because I was mentoring Ken Tai, who does a lot, does a lot of pharmacies, CEO of 96 Pharmacy. He actually did the USC Ralph's Community Pharmacy Residency, and so that intrigued me. And then from there, I did a little bit of research. I liked how the residency was very longitudinal. So like every day, you're at kind of a different site, and it repeats every week. So like on Mondays, I would go to the USC uh, Amcare Clinic, do some ambulatory care uh, with other residents in the Amcare setting in the program at USC. On Tuesdays, I would maybe go to the Ralph's corporate office. And then as well as Wednesdays, Thursdays, I'd come to USC to teach. And then Fridays, I'd go work at a Rouse or sometimes at another clinic. Um, so I kind of like how I got the teaching experience, plus working at the corporate office, learning how they manage all their 90 pharmacies that Rouse has, plus also building my clinical skills. So I thought that was really um, a good way for me to grow as a pharmacist, as, as a clinician, and a good way for me to learn how I can bring clinical aspects to the retail pharmacy. Yeah, so I, I guess like because it's called like community pharmacy residency, I think like one of the misconceptions is that it's all focused in just kind of like working in a community pharmacy, working in independent pharmacy, working in retail. So uh, can you kind of like dispel some of those myths? Yeah, you just mentioned about Amcare. I know a lot of uh, people who do the community residency, they might get into Amcare other programs, but this has helped them springboard into Amcare positions. I know a lot of graduates of the, the USC community residency program go work at Cedar sinai and care, um, other places like that. So I know there are a lot of successful people who do the residency that end up with AMCARE jobs, definitely. Uh, and then there's other people like myself who do the residency to learn more about pharmacy ownership or just how to be a leader in pharmacy. And I know some people who do the USC Ralph's residency and, and get a job at Ralph's managing pharmacy at the corporate office. So there's definitely a lot of uh, doors that open 
once you do this mentee. And it's a good way at USC to meet a lot of, you know, the professors and get a mentor there as well. You know, it's a very good opportunity to learn. Awesome. And so you did mention about mentorship. And I guess like when you had a mentor or maybe had several mentors, what were like some of the things that kind of like stood out that you would recommend other people to have a mentor for? Like, why would having a mentor be so helpful for you to get to your uh, position today? Yeah, well, definitely, you know, it's just trying to, in the beginning, I know it's hard for students to really find a place that they belong in in pharmacy since it's, there's so many different areas of pharmacy and there's new areas growing. You know, I'm sure you know about informatics, et cetera, that didn't exist a couple of years ago. And so it's just sometimes hard for a student to be, they might be overwhelmed. Having a mentor might help them stay focused on what they really like to do once they find that. Uh, and it'll help them grow a lot more uh, professionally than just, you know, going out and getting a job. Um, and a mentor can just give you really good advice and even connect you with the right people. So and that helps a lot sometimes in pharmacy. Awesome. So, so let's talk about the pharmacy that you're currently, um, you're currently the CEO for. So can you kind of describe a little bit more about like, I guess, how that, uh, situation occurred for you? Like, how did you get into that? Yeah, it was actually quite, quite lucky. Uh, I was working at my dad's pharmacy, in LA, uh, managing his, his big pharmacy there. We do five cents a day, big retail pharmacy. Uh, a broker actually called saying, Hey, I have a big retail chain that wants to buy your pharmacy. And then my dad was like, sorry, we're not looking to sell. We want to buy other pharmacies. And that broker introduced us to this that I purchased. Uh, it was a, a USC grad who graduated in the 1970s. The USC School of Pharmacy started his pharmacy and it was retiring. And he kind of wanted to pass it on to a, another new USC pharmacist. And I happened to be the, the only one that came along that was willing to negotiate with him. And so the pharmacy has been there, was there already for 30 years. It was a specialty pharmacy, had access to limited distribution drugs, uh, did some durable medical equipment, respiratory related, like CPAP, BiPAPs, ventilators. So I thought it was a really good opportunity for me to find this really unique pharmacy that does a lot of different drug products and supplies that nobody really else focuses on. And not only that, they did a lot of Medicaid, California Medicaid business, um, which was a little rare and has been you know, quite good for us because with a lot of the Medicare business, there have been a lot of fees, DIR fees specifically, that really makes it harder for pharmacies to survive. And so the fact that I've di- this pharmacy was diversified, doing a lot more Medicaid, um, has kind of filtered me for a lot of those fees that made other pharmacies go out of business. I see. I see. So, you know, like for your, when you took over, like, were there a lot of like changes that you kind of like wanted to do? Or is that something that you were trying to learn the operations first and then ease into it? Like, how did that work for your transition into becoming like the owner? Yeah, luckily, the transition was pretty relatively smooth. It's not always smooth when you change ownership to pharmacies because uh, you're pretty much your pharmacy changes, meaning your Pretty much your Medi-Cal provider number changes. So all your contracts change. It's always a big change. But the previous owner really wanted to find a new owner that was going to take all the previous employees that worked here. He didn't really want them to lose their jobs. And because I was willing to do that, he helped, he let me buy his pharmacy. But then that also helped the transition go a lot smoother. A lot of the people were here for 30 years. So I kind of just stepped right in, tried to learn the operation in the beginning, like you said. And then... I thought I tried to make some small incremental changes, you know, to make it better. Um, first, learn after learning it, really just uh, getting as a specialty pharmacy. Those are my first steps so that we can improve our processes and how we manage patients. 
and drugs uh, so that, you know, hold ourselves to a higher standard. And after that, it's been just trying to grow it contract by contract, uh, IPA by IPA. Awesome. So, you know, like, because this is a specialty pharmacy. So for the listeners, they may not know like what specialty pharmacy entails. And, you know, there's a bunch of other, you know, you have the idea of like the, the term specialty pharmacy. Okay, you're a pharmacy that handles specialty meds. But there's more to that. And, you know, there's like URAC accreditation. There's like tracking all these like reimbursements and things like that. So can you kind of like give a little bit of like a high level, I guess, more uh, defining what specialty pharmacy is? Yeah, it's just specialty pharmacy is just pretty much something you call yourself. Basically, every pharmacy in California is a retail pharmacy for your license. And so specialty, if you're a specialty pharmacy, it's because of the drugs that you dispense. Other drugs that are true specialty could be limited distribution drugs, meaning not every pharmacy can buy those drugs. You have to be on a certain list with the manufacturer to be able to purchase them. And so that kind of differentiates specialty pharmacies from others, as well as, you know, being accredited from URAC, as well as um, ACHC is another accrediting body. Those actually make it so. So when you get accredited with URAC and ACHC, they have uh, certain standards they hold you up to, meaning you have to collect a lot of data on how you manage these patients. And you you use that to prove to the manufacturers and payers that you provide good patient care for your patients. So there's, for example, if you have like a rheumatoid arthritis patient on Embro or Placentix, Taltz, you would, you know, every month when you call them for a refill, you're kind of following up on their arthritis, asking them how their symptoms are, how their pain levels are, if it's getting better or worse. And normally, as long as they're taking the medicine, it should be maintaining itself. And also, like, you know, certain asthma drugs, specialty asthma drugs like Pacenra, Nucala, we're following up on the patient's asthma symptoms and collecting that data um, and sharing that with the doctor's office as well. So those are like care plans that we are supposed to um, incorporate into our pharmacy practice as we take care of these specialty patients. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's switch gears a little bit from your specialty pharmacy and talk about CPHA. And uh, I know that you've been involved in CPHA for a while. We've actually been reconnected a lot through CPHA. So, um, and from my understanding, you, uh, you're a current trustee at large. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm currently um, a trustee at large for the CPHA trustees. So what does that entail? Yeah. So the trustee at large, there's a certain time commitment that you have to uh, commit to, attending all the meetings, quarterly meetings, plus some of the regional meetings, as well as some events that you're involved in. But it's more like, uh, you know, the time commitment is around 10 to 20 hours. It's too much, but it's still nothing. But a lot of it just comes out of me being able to give to my profession. I think being involved is very important, especially as a pharmacy leader and as a pharmacy owner. So you're learning how the profession is changing because right now the pharmacy profession is changing so rapidly. It's good to be involved with CPHA so you know what's going on. Um, and then there you can meet a lot of other like-minded people. You can connect, share ideas, um, and grow as a pharmacist. Awesome. And, you know, uh, you actually held a few positions at CPHA. So uh, the other part, too, is that you're you're heavily involved in the CPHA, uh, the, the PAC, right? So uh, can you kind of describe a little bit more about what the PAC is in case uh, our, our listeners don't really know or haven't heard of it yet? Yeah, the PAC is the political action committee, and they do a lot of work at Sacramento to help forward legislation for pharmacists. You know, there's a lot of really influential 
organizations in Sacramento, like the Nurses Association and the Doctors Medical Association, and the pharmacists were kind of a little lacking there. We've been trying to grow the pack so we have a stronger presence in Sacramento. Even with our smaller funds, we've been able to make some good progress, like SB 493 several years back, as well as, you know, implementing certain changes with Medi-Cal. The PAC is really important so that we can we can make progress on legislation that helps pharmacists, like before we became providers. But I think we need to do more than that. We need to change laws regarding PBMs. We have to fight DRRPs. We have to fight, keep, you know, there's there's still a lot of fights the pharmacist has left, even just like workplace conditions. And so I think uh, the PAC is very important. Awesome. Do you know, like, uh, if there's any kind of focus right now for this year in terms of what is uh, what's the PAC looking at? So uh, recently, September 21st, the Senate floor passed Assembly Bill 2100, Assembly Member Wood, which would actually change how DHS pays Medi-Cal pharmacies for specialty med. Um, because before, when DHS changed their pharmacy pricing methodology on how they price drugs to pay to pharmacies, they kind of messed it up a little bit with really expensive drugs, and this would fix that problem. Um, so the CPHA is always working in the capital to help pharmacists, to help independent pharmacists, to help pharmacies in California. And so that's why it's really important for us to keep supporting that pack. So for anybody who's like, you know, interested in like specialty pharmacy or just becoming a pharmacy owner or even being like uh, heavily involved in shaping the changes uh, with CPHA, um, what kind of advice can you give them? You know, I would tell everybody to stay involved. Don't just study, go out, be in organizations, meet people. Um, get a job. Those are really important right now. Because recently I did put out a job request <clears throat> and I got a lot of people applying, but some of them were new pharmacists, but they didn't have a job during pharmacy school. It kind of puts them at a disadvantage uh, versus, you know, if you did have a job during pharmacy school, you're already better than a lot of those people. It gives you that edge. So I think, you know, get experience, stay hungry, keep learning, meet a lot of people and then find that mentor. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that advice. Yeah. Mentorship, I always think is a very important thing too. I didn't really have a, uh, a full mentor when I was in school, but kind of had the, like a couple different, like unofficial mentors afterwards, which really helped me for my career as well. So, you know, that's a good, that's some good advice for you to, to give to the listeners. Or just listen to Tony Dow's podcast. He's got a lot of good mentors on there. If anybody, you know, was interested in reaching out to any of the previous guests on the podcast, uh, just feel free. Like their contact information is there if you ever had any questions about their field. Um, and, you know, just going into that, actually, Sam, uh, if people had questions about your, your role and uh, maybe they wanted to have you as a mentor, how, what's the best way that they can reach you at? Yeah, I can leave you my information and you're welcome to share that with everybody. So no problem. Awesome. For listeners, I'll be putting that into the show notes. Uh, but, you know, to be respectful of your time, Sam, thank you again so much for, you know, catching up and being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Thanks for this opportunity to share um, my journey with everybody. Thank you. Thank you.